Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another year, another Super Rugby season, and all that that comes afterwards. We're remembering where the show, what are we? We're getting you over the gain line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. It's me, uh, Rugby Reg, Reg Roberts, back again to host for at least this episode. Let's see what happens down the track. Uh, joining me, uh, of course, is Matt uh, Rowley. How are you, Matt? Mate, I'm great. Pumped to be back in another season. Yeah, no, we are. It's it's very exciting. One person who isn't uh, present, one of our um, usual uh, uh, co-hosts, uh, Hugh, is off overseas, jaunting around, and hopefully we'll be back in a, in a week or two. So stepping in is is one of our regulars. He's not always on the show, but he's always with the show. He's producing it. Nick, you're stepping in, mate. How are you feeling, mate? Yeah, back in and uh, very happy to fulfil the role of Hugh's place until he comes back. I think he's currently in the jungles of Vietnam trying to find the next, the Vietnamese um, Indo-Pacific Rugby Championship team for Twiggy. So I think ah, he, yes. uh, yeah, so I think he's busy with that. So hopefully when he comes back, we'll, uh, we'll have two teams in the competition. Yes, exactly right. Um, so interesting times, Matt. It's you know we'll get into our fire burning questions in a second, but you know Super Rugby started two weeks ago. It's the Aussie teams just had their first game last week. We had a bit of a staggered start, so it seems only appropriate that the the podcast returns even later than that. We 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 don't like to rush into these things. No, exactly. You've got to ease yourself in. Well, I think that's understandable as well, Reg, with the season that Australian rugby had last season, that we might be a little bit ginger. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a little bit, uh, yeah, a little bit bashful around the ring, so to speak. I mean that in the, in the boxing terminology. Um, about, you know, getting, about getting back into it because, yeah, I think we all, probably most of us are a bit scarred, uh, from last season. And I've got to say, I've been kind of gingerly looking at it this season. Uh, this weekend, well, look, we'll get into it game by game, but, you know, I think everyone's trying, trying to read the tea leaves. Is it going to be another shocker, or are we going to be able to hold our heads up high for some reason this season? <laughs> it's funny, hey, and it's it's at least I think most of the other Aussie teams at least have some sort of um, hope in their performances. I know all off season I've been trying to control any expectations. I'm a, as a Reds fan, I sort of as the off season progresses and you forget some of the worst points of the previous season, your your hope starts to build. I tried to quell that hope all off season. Um, my hashtag has been managed expectations. I don't want to get too excited about <laughs> any potential there. But um, even that, even successfully, you know, expecting the worst all season, I was still <laughs> left quite furious after Friday night's performance, which we might get into soon. Um, so we are going to we, we are going to do our fire burning questions uh, for the week, guys, and we'll, we'll rip through them at the top here. It's pretty basic, pretty simple. We're, we're going to go through our most impressive performance, and that can be a team, can be a player, um, can be uh, both. Uh, our least impressive performance, again. Uh, question three will be, uh, were the refs too influential in round two? A lot of talking points there, particularly from a card perspective. Uh, question four, has the English slide commenced? Six Nations, I think it's round three there, and the, the Poms went down to the Scots. 
Um, uh, so, has slide 218 commenced as JB likes to refer to it as? And question five, what do we expect from round three? Uh, let's go straight to the top. Most impressive performance. Nick, I'm going to go to you first, mate. Um, uh, long time behind the scenes. We want to hear your front and centre. What impressed you most this round? Um, you know, we are the Green and Gold show, so it, we, we're entitled to focus just on the Aussies. But if you, if someone else from another team catches your eye, I'm happy to do that too. But who impressed you, mate? Well, no, it was for me personally. It was the, it was the, um, the. I thought the Rebels. You know, considering like their off season, they'd been, they'd had two trials in which they got hammered both by the Brumbies and by the by the Tars, and it really goes to show that trials really count for nothing. But I, you know, for a, it was a bit of a rusty game on Friday night, and like with both shot with for both sides. But I was really just the thing that really impressed me, and just across like across not just the Aussie teams was the pairing of of Will Genia with Jack Debrusini, um, which really kind of surprised me a lot. Because De- Debrusini, you know, he's had a couple of years, you know, when um, at the Rebels, where he's he really doesn't, he really hasn't been looking at like looking like the like a first choice fly half at all, and he and I think Vessels, Dave Vessels, was saying that you know he really wasn't really enjoying his rugby at all. But on Friday night, you know, the he, well, the way Genier and Debrusini directed the um, the Rebels backline was I thought was incredible. There was like, and it looked like Debrusini for. Like he he was playing so he actually looked like he was there he was actually you know part of the whole thing and he, he looked like it was it was a side to him that I hadn't seen before and it made me go oh yeah this guy's got a bit of got a bit of chalk to him hasn't he yeah he's a good player Jack Deb but it's interesting I don't think he's got a, a formal full contract I don't know if it's just a training contract but he was a starting ten um, gosh if he, if he couldn't stand out that night he'd be struggling to considering he's playing against uh, 14, 13 at a time and outside Will Genny who's on top of his form um, good call there Matt your thoughts on I guess the Rebels but also who caught your eye uh, yeah look uh, Rebels I, I, I must I've got to agree I, I don't know if you could call form on that but um, you know they held themselves together and uh, they showed some good composure I thought um, throughout that match as far as people, as far as teams in the Australian conference that you kind of went, wow, uh, the Sunwolves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You had to say, you know, suddenly it was like, wow, these guys, and, you know, and I, I think most of us were kind of having a bit of banter um, pre-season, well, leading into the season about, you know, having them in, you know, we'd, people had just forgotten that they were in the Australian conference and that they were just going to be walkovers. Well, you know, I think in the Australian conference, we shouldn't believe that. They... Um, Suddenly it was like, oh, God, these guys know what they're doing. Uh, I don't know if there was any massive standouts for them, but they just played really well as a team. Um, is it Dave Rennie, the coach? Who's the coach? Uh, Jamie uh, Joseph still. Jamie Joseph, that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, um, uh, yeah they um, – yeah, I mean, it just they just suddenly looked like a well-coached team, and you thought, hmm, these, these guys are going to give some people a few headaches and probably pick up a few games. Um, so, anyway, while that they look good, I think – I don't know, you still kind of walked away going, uh, didn't – you know they didn't get the win against them, probably a misfiring Brumbies team in um, at home in Japan. So you kind of go, uh, that's probably going to be a longish season for them. Um, look, I think thought they were uh, can I just add that the Sunwolves? Uh, you're right. My, I, I thought that I think I expected to be improved this year. You'd, you'd hear mm. some sort of rumbles, and even the selection of the team, some of the bigger name players from that squad missed out. 
um, or at least some players you would have thought would start it. And Jamie Joseph came out and said he's not picking on reputation anymore. He's picking on form, um, at least form in the training paddock. But the, the one proviso with that Sunwolves team is they have such a short preseason, whereas, you know, the four Aussie teams are training since October, albeit without Wallabies. Um, right. The Sunwolves, their season, you know, the, the Japanese season finishes a month ago, you know, three or four weeks before the, the start of the um, actual Super Rugby season. So their time as a pre-season is, is quite limited. So they actually looked pretty good. Like you say, no real stars, but as a combination piece, they worked well together. Whether they, they can enhance that through the season, you'd like to think so, but it may fall off as well. But, yeah, not a bad performance. Yeah, and then, look, there was... I, I can't see how they're going to go a long way this season, although within the conference, who knows... Um, you know, uh, but you know, look, there are elements of the Tars that made me think, oh, okay, that was better than I expected. Um, I think it was in their probably their the general attacking shape, and then also their commitment to defence, um, just looked a lot better than it had for a couple of seasons. So there, there were other things like you know, God, the, the scrum and whatnot um, was the the scrum was a bit of a disaster. Um, Although I don't think everyone was kind of blaming it on Robertson, the prop. I think it was what I think it was who was behind him. Yeah, um, yeah. Because because it was quite obvious that he had no support and the whole thing was going backwards. Um, so and, and and probably amongst that lot, you know, Beal and Falau, uh, Foley didn't have a bad game. I mean, that that uh, take that Falau made um, yeah. from that bomb was just. Brilliant. I don't think I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever well very I've seen that very rarely on the football field. Full stop. Um, taking something like that from that distance back, that was quite quite outstanding. So yeah, if those guys can kind of string those things together, but you just feel that there's just a bit too much callow youth still throughout that team. Yeah, um, look, yeah, a good impact from the bench. I thought, Matt. I, I thought, uh, yeah, you know, you, you're right. The scrum, but those young props that. Shambakla Viewy, who I guess we've known for a little while, and he had some time with the Force, and he's a Queenslander and played Aussie Twenties and was really good. But uh, Harry. Johnson Holmes, who I know is also an Australian uh, under-20 player, but he was really impressed me in the in the 10s and then coming off the bench. He's a, he looks a real goer at, at prop there, the, the redhead. Yeah, he did. He's, he doesn't look like um, – he doesn't have a whole lot of bulk on him. No. But, but, but within – you know, within the first minute, he was around the place, and he was—he yeah. was kind of—he was all over it. He really looked like he was making a bit of impact. I think he looks like one of those guys who, you know, give him a few years and get yeah. him to bulk up a bit, and he could—he could really, you know, he could really be something. And you know, uh, the, um, and oh, who's the, the the new halfback, Gordon? Who's oh, Jake you know, Gordon. I, Jake yeah. Gordon. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's got some raps on him, and um, he's, you know, he's looking uh, good already, and you know. Um, and I don't think he's even injecting the best that he's got of his all-round game. So, yeah, there was, there was a few things. And the most important thing was, you know, they just bloody won. You know, yeah. you know, to, to, to have gone away there with a, with a draw and the, the stutter at the beginning of the season, um, you know, and the Stormers are a tough team. Yeah. Um, hats off to them coming across and, and still putting out that, you know, that sort of performance. I mean, I can barely walk when I'm jet lagged, you know, let alone what, do, do what those guys do. And, um, but yeah, so just for the Tars to get away with that win, that's a bit of a, I mean, it's, you know, quite the opposite to what the Reds had, Barry Reg. Jesus. Yeah. And I, we'll, we'll get to that maybe the next question, but, um, in, in terms of uh, caught the eye or, you know, impressive performances, uh, I have a bit of a proviso for all those teams wins. I, you know, I think the Rebels for the, the reasons we talked about and the, the Brumbies went super impressive or, you know, the Tars finished well, but there's still, still lapses there. So I, I'm going to focus more on uh, some, a couple of individual standouts. So I kind of wanted to mention those Tar bench players, but, um, 
Izzy Nasirani, you know, for the Brumbies. This guy, just at every level he plays, he's been thrown in the last couple of years. He's stood up and he was phenomenal. And I don't know when he's due for the Wallabies. Apparently he had a trip back to Fiji, which has prolonged his eligibility again. Um, so it might not be until the end of next year or even early next year. I don't, I don't know. But he is – the quicker he's in a Wallaby 8 jersey, the better because he is – the missing link of what we've needed in that back row for a long mm-hmm. time since, yeah. since Todd I retired. Yeah. Um, he is just a phenomenal player. The impact he makes, the leg drive he makes, um, uh, the skills he has, he's fantastic. So um, I can't wait to see him in a Wallaby jersey. I just don't know when it'll be. Um, and then we, we mentioned Will Genia. I mean, look, you want your, what, 80 cap Wallaby, former Wallaby captain, halfback, standing out and particularly when your uh, opposition's down a player um, and sometimes two players in the scrum. But the Rebels were lost, you know. They even remember when Higgins got sent off, the Reds, um, I think, were leading at some stage. It was not until Genia clicked on that the Rebels clicked on and he just read that game so well and you know we, we can't fully judge him because he is uh, all over the opposition in terms of numbers but he was the maestro of that game some he really controlled around the scrums gave Tuttle a, a rugged time considering they didn't have a back rower sort of protecting him um his quick tap and pass for I think Tom English if Tom English didn't score he passed it off to someone to score um you know that really smart play he just knew the game that needed playing that night and that's that experience that the Rebels probably you know really need you can sign all your young stars like uh Coleman and and, and Hale at Petty and stuff but you can't beat that experience that Genia brings and I don't think we'll see it every game because I just think he's at a stage where the inconsistency starts coming in but he it was on and song then and that was the perfect performance for that for that type of game, so I thought he was uh, he was exceptional in that performance and the haircut and the haircut, mate. Yeah. I think it's someone fucking... did like a uh, an analysis of it from his last game for the Wallabies, which what must have been sort of early December um, to this game, and the rate of hair growth is is envying. <laughs> Envious. I mean, I'm looking at a, a profile picture of you, Matt, and you must be particularly. Um, yeah, um, I donated. Well, well, I, I donated. Uh, a lot of my hair to his <laughs> to that weave that he's got there, uh, actually, which is why I'm a bit short at the moment, Reg. No other reason why. Uh, Very generous but, of you, Matt. Yeah, no, I think it might be. It's obviously like a Melbourne Rebels hairdresser because I remember James <laughs> O'Connor had yep. uh, a similar did, haircut. He did, yeah, yeah. I think Will gets away with it a little bit better than O'Connor did, like most things in life. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> uh, no, you, you're right. He did. He looked like yeah. It's great to see Genia in form. Um, and hopefully having this whole season here at home, um, you know, and before getting into the next Wallaby season, um, you know, hopefully we won't have that sort of dip like yeah. you did last time. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's move on to least impressive. And I, allow me to start here um, mm. and that Reds performance. And I, and I will single it out. I, I don't know. The, I had questions about Scott Higginbotham's appointment as, as captain um, when it was made. Um, and, you know, I think you probably everyone knows my thoughts and even Brad Thorne's uh, appointment as coach. And I'm not writing them off for this season by any means. I have serious questions about both players, both individuals' abilities to deliver what the Reds needs. Um, and I will caveat this soon. That team did not look... Look, they've been pushing 10 as we keep... They've been in the gym, they've been running, they've been, you know, doing the work... Uh, from a strength and conditioning perspective. Um, I will note, I don't particularly think we saw it there. I mean, I guess they did have to play one man down, two man down for a fair chunk of that game, so you can't be too hard on them. But I wasn't 
blown away by their fitness. But they don't look a smart team. Um, I, I don't think Thorne's ever going to come up with the tactics that we used to see with you and you know McKenzie and we always the uh, Reds we always have to revert back to those McKenzie days. But yeah, you know, we don't see a game plan of how we beat the Rebels or how we might take the Brumbies this week or how we might beat the Kiwi teams. I can't I can't see us getting that. That's I guess that falls to Tony McGahn to come up with that. I mean Paul Carrozza's uh, there as an attack or backs coach. Um, and Squab's very good with the players. I'm just not too sure about those strategic, um, or I guess game plan elements. Um, so I guess it comes to McGarn. So, you know, how that sort of works up the system and then back down to the players. Um, Higgins, I might not be, it never appeals to, appears to be a smart player. You know, he's an instinctive player. He's a lead from the front. When he was captain of the Rebels that year, he was fantastic as a front foot player. As, as a, follow me lads, this is what we're doing. But again, he, it, there was never the intelligence of how we had to play this game and how we approached this and that. I don't care. Yeah, that was dumb what he did. It was just dumb. Um, mm. And his press conference sort of backed it up afterwards. Oh, I don't know what I did wrong. I've been doing that for 12 years. Jeez, man. You know, it, it is mm. so frustrating. It, it infuriated me, that 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 action, that, that tackle and, and, and the red card. It just, and it's my fear is that this approach by Thorne is to man up and let's be aggressive in their face. And and we saw what it did to Higgins. We saw what it did to Luke Antui, who... Um, should have been red carded, um, and we should find out perhaps by the end of this podcast what his suspension will be. Or at least when you guys are listening to it tomorrow morning, you'll you'll hear. And I expect he'll be longer than Higginbotham, who got three weeks. Um, but that was terrible. And if if that's the rugby we're going to try and play, um, it's embarrassing. And it, it's you know I I I had to turn off that game early. I was. I was furious and I was embarrassed by it. And it's just, and I know, you know, I've read articles, people saying there's some gutsy, you know, we, we held in there and all that sort of stuff. But what was the score? I mean, 45-19, you can't, you can't take mm. positives away from that mm. performance. It was ridiculous. Now, I've got to say, Reg, I mean, just chime in. I remember seeing your tweet. It was about 20 minutes into the match. Um, where you just kind of popped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you I think you'd snapped and, and lost it. It was um it was a lot of emotion in that tweet. Um yeah. but yeah, you couldn't help but think you kinda of went, Oh, so this is what the, the Thorn era yeah. looks like. Yeah. You know, suddenly it kinda of hit you and you went, Oh god, it, it and it all makes sense, unfortunately. It's like, you know, that's kinda of what he brought as a player. Um, yep. you know, but he was in that you know, Kiwi team where it was also clinical. Um, you'd had, you know, you had kind of like one enforcer, right? And um, yeah, it was, yeah. you know, he, and he could kind of get away with it. And the Kiwis have always had somebody um, who's a bit ropey, but um, is kind of in there for that. And then suddenly you go, oh, but shit, he's got the reins. <laughs> and yeah. and you're kind of wondering, so where's the rest? And uh, yeah. to your point, it's clearly got to come from somewhere else by the looks of things. So it, it wasn't like he's some... Um, you know, it looks like he's not the sort of rocket rugby rocket scientist under the the Hulk. Uh, he nah. just brings the Hulk, and um, yeah, and it was pretty obvious. You see that, like, and, and sometimes you see that in checker teams as well when he's obviously revved them up too much. Yeah, and like, and they come out and do a few dumb things. The Chars used to do that. Um, you remember Skelton used to come out and yeah, kind exactly. of belt a couple of people, and, and you know, and, and when the Tars were giving away at least one yellow card every every match. Mm. Um, because, because you just in, in modern rugby you can't get away with any of that. 
Well, like, I can't get it. I mean, the, the stats are there. 13 yellow cards last year and one red card for the Reds. So they led yeah. the league, obviously. In our first game, we get a red and a yellow. A yellow, which should have been a red. And news has just come through. Luke Antu has been suspended for three weeks, which I think there is probably go. pretty lucky. But um, but Eto Nabuli should have been yellow carded probably twice in that game for attacking the player in the air, which he got yellow carded for probably a couple of times last year too. So this discipline or this technique around defence... Um, is just lacking in this team, and it's I don't I don't get it. I don't know. I, I guess McGann's the defence coach. He wasn't there last year. Oh, he was there last year, wasn't he? Oh no, he wasn't there last year. Of course he wasn't. But you know, it, it just it's infuriating to see again. I won't write him off. And one thing Brad Thorne's teams proved in the NRC, albeit, albeit in a, a level or two below Super Rugby, is they bounce back from losses really well. They, they lost three games last year, and every game after a loss was superb. You know, they raised the bar. So, who, you know, our first home game, we're playing the Brumbies, the dreaded Brumbies who we hate, um, as well as the Tars and the Rebels. Um, and, um, um, you know, they, they, they should be up for this game. But we want, as you say, Matt, we want that to be a controlled up. We don't want, you know, um, more more cards and, and ill-discipline. And it's going to yeah. be a, a massive effort to be able to curtail that. Yeah. Well, look, I think... Um We'll come more onto this in a, in a little while when we start talking about that England, you know, is it an England slide or not thing? But in that, this weekend's of rugby, you could not have seen more contrast, I thought, between mm. certain teams. And mm. I thought what the what the Reds, um, you know, brought versus say what versus what Scotland brought mm. um, in in terms of now, yes, just you know, absolutely. couldn't have been more chalk and cheese. And you do wonder what else um, you know the Reds are going to be bringing because it's it's I don't know, it's hard to see right now. Yeah, so I mean, from your your response to this question, is it can you go past the Reds and that performance? Um, Ken, sorry, mate, you just kind of uh, so I went off. Sorry, so yeah. you know, your formal response to this question, least impressive performance. Can you go past the Reds? Is there anything else? That <laughs> needs, uh, not as it not not mentioned? as a team, um, but in the same category, it had to be. And I guess in a way, it was a Reds yellow card. Uh, Rob Simmons. <laughs> uh, that was terrible, wasn't it? Was that like every now and again, Rob Simmons does something unbelievably dumb, and um, and it's quite often line out related, um, but you know, or it can be a you know a late shot or a late tackle, um, and you gotta, God love him, he's got this look about him like he still looks like the schoolboy, and you know you kind of think, and he doesn't look like he's got a nasty bone in his body. But just every now and again does something where the ref is like, I, I've got a, I've just got a yellow you for that. Mm. Um, and that was one of them, you know, just kind of just put his head down and drove through the middle of a line out where the guy was in the air. Um, you know, at a you know, pretty critical point in a pretty tight match. Um, so I don't know. I just, and I made my previous, uh, reference to the task run was I'm pretty sure is that I think. He was on Robertson's side as well of the scrum. Yeah. Good point. Um, uh, yeah. And I'm like, mm. and he was, Robertson was going backwards at a rate of knots. So uh, from my eye, not a great start um, for um, the um, Reds player. <laughs> <laughs> and and now he's, what, he's done a quad or something. He's, he's put, had to pull out from the South African tour. So I think there's actually a few oh, kidding. quite happy with that. So. Oh, God, I hadn't even seen that. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, no, he's, he, he got like a... Like, uh, at the end of the day, they won, so thank God he doesn't kind of take the whole rap. But, yeah, I, I just had a complete um, slap of the forehead when I saw that. The thing about that, too, is he, you see 
the replay. That was his plan. He wasn't even looking to jump. He no. head down, facing the jumper, ready to take him out. His timing was abysmal. It was ridiculous. Anyway. That's why I say it wasn't, it wasn't even smart. It was just no, so dumb. No, no, no. Okay. He planned it. Nick, what about you, mate? What's your thoughts on least impressive performance? Well, I'm, I'm sorry I have to go back to the Reds to the Reds performance, but to me it wasn't with, with the with the Reds. It wasn't actually ju- it was it wasn't it was only a certain set of players, and I think it, and I kind of definitely agree with you, Reg, about not necessarily Thorn and Higginbotham, but kind of the leadership group um, of the Reds, because a lot of the youngster pl- the younger players, you know, uh, for the Reds kind of stood up. Like the one that really stood out for me was um was the hooker Brandon Payagramosa. And yep. he was, and what like, and the and even Dave Vessels highlighted this. He said that you know the, the the Reds still managed to hold their scrum against the Rebels for a lot of that match, and they were one player down. And you know, I've, and also you know the um the winger Filippo Dal Filippo Dalgunu, who was a monster for for Queensland country. He also he also looked um, quite dangerous out on the wing as well for the Reds. So I thought you know. It, what seemed to me to be the case was, you know, I, I do agree with you that maybe it's the case that thought that that Brad Thorne really revved them up way too much, and they came out trying to be aggressive and just went too much and went too hard. But it was like I definitely agree that there's a lack of of um, a lack of very of smart decision making by the Reds, and I think it really comes down to, um, but but also kind of smart leadership by the, the more senior members of the squad. Um, which I thought was kind of where the blame should should lie for that performance. Kind of outside of the Reds, um, I, like mm, outside of the Reds, it was I, I was kind of quite surprised by the Hurricanes' performance in terms of catch, catching me off guard by being um, by being surprised by it. It seemed like quite a few of their of the players maybe I don't know they were might have been, been recovering from jet lag or something, but they did but. In that final match of the round, they really kind of struggled to uh, to match the Bulls for intensity, and the Bulls looked like a very different beast to the one that came. I think it was second last in the in the in the South African Conference. So you know, I thought I was quite. I think the the performance that really kind of surprised me that I thought wasn't going to work was the Hurricanes. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, a couple of surprises there that upset a few tippers there. I know that for sure. Yeah. Um. All right, so the next question was about the refs. Were they too influential in round two? Um, you know, there's a few, obviously we talked about the cards and, and, and the questions around there. Um, there was perhaps um, a lack of cards in the the Waratah game, the, the deliberate knock-on. There was also the controversial call in, what was it, the, um, Chief uh, Crusaders the, match. the Chiefs Crusaders match as yeah. well. Um, and even just the TMOs, the use of the TMOs. So what's what was the feeling in the the refs this game, Nick, and, and some of those decisions? And are they is it too influential? Are we are they doing the job we require them to do? Yeah, um, well, well, actually, it's a good one. We'll start off with that one, with that Chiefs Crusaders one, because it, it was one of a like of a couple of calls, which was relation to the no face that there should be no kind of. Um, dangerous contact around the head and the face. Um, yeah. I myself think, you know, it's it's a bit of a tough one, and, and people have been saying yes, and like we either uh, agree with this or not. Sansa, I, I kind of see where Sansa's trying to come from in terms of trying to referee this because they want to make the game safer. Um, 
the I do I do think that in the case of the Reds one, uh, the Reds red card that was a reckless tackle, um, and like you mentioned as well, like even Tui should have probably been a red as well because it was so reckless, and it really and that was kind of something that came down to discipline. That Chiefs um, that Chiefs yellow card though, and the penalty try. Looking back at the replay, I thought to myself, how how is it that the player could actually because it was really a case of the actual motion of his arm hit Ryan Crotty in the chops, and he was trying to make a tackle to stop the try, but it was but it wasn't a deliberate tackle. It wasn't like a deliberate around the arm around the head kind of reckless tackle, and so I like you know it, that kind of is where the whole grey area of it comes in for me, um, and I think that. I feel like that maybe a penalty try might have been enough, but surely the TMO might have ruled that the actual tackle might have been seen as... The actual attempt of a tackle wasn't seen as a a deliberate or a reckless tackle because it was in the motion of the tackle. Maybe a penalty try and maybe a penalty, but I I was kind of scratching my head about the yellow card. What do you think, Matt? Well, I mean, the thing is, like, it's all a bit automatic, you know? Yeah. Uh, once you've done the penalty and the penalty try, you've got to give the yellow. That's, they, I think I, my understanding is those two things go together. Um, and then I also just think the way that we know these things are supposed to be refed is, you know, swinging arm around the around the neck is going to be a yellow at least, um, and it's going to happen every time. Um, you know, complete no shoulder charge to somebody's head <laughs> is going to be a red. Uh, and then dropping someone on their head like Chewie did, you know, is going to be at least a yellow, maybe a red as well. So, look, are they having? Do they have big influences? Yeah, no doubt, because it crippled that game. Um, but did they have a choice not to do it? I don't think so. Um, I think the, the the players in those situations made them made them do that. The one that is very variable at the moment though is this knock on thing. Like, yeah. I don't think I don't think anyone's over that. I think Angus. Gardner was just like I think he was like a conscientious objector <laughs> to 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 this to this new ruling as just said oh I can't give someone a yellow for that but uh, whereas in other matches we you know we saw you know people uh, regularly refs regularly doing it so I would imagine they'd be really looking to tighten that one up uh, so look did they have big influence yeah but I I don't know they had any choice did they Rich. No, and in fact, I really liked, um, and I'm just trying to look it up who it was, that the ref's approach to those two cards in the Reds game, um, whoever the ref was, and I'm, for me, I can't recall who it was, but I thought he went through, uh, Brendan, uh, uh, Brendan Pigarell. I thought he did a great job of just sort of stepping through. Was there contact with the head? Was there any arms in the tackle? No, I think that's a red card. I thought he did that really well. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, the, the the contact with the head's been on the agenda for a couple of years now. I, I remember Carmichael Hunt making a very similar tackle um, to the one in that Crusaders game, albeit sort of on the halfway line. Um, but the player was, you know, almost crawling and Hunt had to go line and the only way he could sort of try and put him into touch was he put an arm around the shoulder and knocked him in the head and it caused controversy back then. It's heightened when the, the player goes on to score and, you know, the preference is... Um, you know, probably not making the tackle, letting him score out wide, rather than taking the penalty try under the under the post sort of thing. But um, yeah, I, I guess no one likes to see a red card early. But man, you do the crime, you do the time, so to speak. Mick Byrne came up with a, a theory today: the Wallaby attack coach or skills coach or whatever he is, um, that perhaps uh, a red card should be ten minutes in the bin, and then after that ten minutes, 
the player is replaced. So you still play with 15, you still have your 10-minute suspension. Um, the team can finish the game with 15 minutes, oh, 15 men, sorry, but that player doesn't come back on. So he's one of the, uh, the bench players came on, which might have some merit to it. I'm sure there'll be some scenarios where that is... Um, is is uh, fraught with um, uh, you know abuse or controversy, but um, you know I don't know. It, it's a hard thing. I, I as a Reds fan, I would have liked to play with 15 men, but I, I can't dispute it was a dumb tackle and deserved what it got. Mm, I mean, if I, it, that, yeah, it's an interesting twist on the rule there. But I mean, God, if you like a Kiwi team, you don't really mind, do you? Yeah, bring, God, no. bringing whoever, bringing whoever's from oh, the bench e- on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's let's get to it. Let's get to uh, Six Nations. Let's look abroad for one of the few times we do. And, and geez, what what makes us start to look outside of our board, borders other than an English loss? Um, <laughs> so, so you know, the, the Poms round three of the Six Nations and the Poms lost twenty five thirteen. So, um, our, our mates over at the Egg Chaser podcast uh, had a great show this weekend. Um, and again, I, I haven't listened to all of their episodes of late because I, I listen to a lot, but. But um, uh, I had to catch this one because the English lost. And they were, it was very insightful uh, chat over there. But uh, JB has been trying to get uh, down for 2018 trending for a little while because he thinks he's been calling for this, the, the sl- or sorry, slide 2018 or whatever. Uh, he thinks this is the, the start of the decline of the English. And, and Matt, you know, anyone who's followed Australian rugby and Eddie Jones's career knows that there's a critical moment. Um, or, or a period where things start to go wrong and um, <laughs> just listening to the guys on the podcast talking about saying the players look overcoached, they look exhausted, like they've been too, doing too much fitness work, starting to question some of the selections, um, you know, Dylan Hartley, the leadership and all that sort of stuff. I, mean, I think we went through that with George Gregan as well. So it's, it's, it's really um, interesting times and, and, you know, will, will the POMs start to start this slide? They... Uh, they uh, they were comprehensively outplayed by a brilliant Scottish team. Well, I mean, if anything, you've just convinced me I need to get that Egg Chasers, Egg Chasers podcast back on yeah. um, and, 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 have a, and have a listen. Um, yeah, and, and did I – I think I might have picked up on Twitter that JB – did he, did he uh, forecast the, or predict the Scotland win? No, mate, and this is the best part of their podcast. Listen to it because he he is boasting like he is. But one There's avid no listener sort of wrote in and said, "Look, this is what Tim said. Tim said this is a you know a, a danger game, and the Scots could could win if this happened. And and this is uh, what um, uh, the other guy, who, JB, my mind escapes. Uh, no, not JB, the stats dude. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway." Yeah, he said he, you know, England could win this, uh, the Scotland could win this if this Phil. happens. And JB was, yeah, Phil, sorry, sorry, Phil. And, and, and JB was like, oh no, you know, it's not going to happen sort of thing. So, um, oh, okay. yeah, it was the other two who actually picked it. It's complete revisionist history for, for on JB. Yeah. But anyway, he, he's, he's claiming the slide, the downfall. Um, look, I, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favour, watch at least the first yeah. half. Um, yeah. It is just brilliant. And, Actually, I, funny enough, and, and this to me was, I mean, it's one of the best halves or games of rugby I've seen for a long time. Yes, there's an overlay of that beautiful schadenfreude uh, of watching England lose after 24 wins or whatever it is, but it's not the main thing. Um, it was interesting. My dad texted me the same thing, and we hadn't even talked about it. Um, you know, he, he's living over they live over an island, and um, he just said, you know, reminded him of an Australia of Australia of old. Yeah, and and yeah. And, and, 
and it really did because it was the Scots were just really, really smart. Um, and, you know, the complete opposite of a checker or, a, or from what it looks like a Brad Thorne approach, which is I've got one game plan and it's going to be to try and bash you down. Um, the Scots chose quite the opposite in some ways. For example, as a back row, they had quite a light back row, but it was a pilfering back row and it worked perfectly because they know the Poms have been working on two men pods um, to try and get, you know, quick ball. And they just said, fine, come at us and, um, and you know, we'll chop, you know, do a chop tackle and the second man will go for a pilfer. And um, they were they earned seven penalties on an England attacking ball. Um, and which, also, and- the interesting thing there was, sorry, Johnny Barclay, the captain, sort of um, said after the game that their intent was not to go as hard as they did, but they snagged a couple of penalties early and just realised... You know, the ref was, was going to go their way and so they, they went hard from then on. So they adjusted their game to the situation, which is what you're saying, and it yeah. worked perfectly. And look, and that's where we saw, and I'm guessing this is what the, pod, the egg chasers have talked about is, you know, that weakness that we know Eddie Jones's teams have is when they can't adjust. Um, because there's, exactly. you know, yep. there's not just a, a plan A, there's a, there's then a plan B, but it's the regimented plan B. You know, this yep. is exactly how everything's yep. going to go and if it's outside of that you don't know what to do we saw that with England remember when Italy did that thing where they they wouldn't contest rucks and stuff like that and it completely bamboozled them to the point where the you know the players like Haskell were complete complaining it was unfair to the ref and the ref told them you've got to play mate not me um and there was a couple there was actually a time when the Scots in this match did the same thing they just stood off in England driving more and the in England just basically just stood there, didn't know, you know, kind of didn't know what to do. So there was a number of different things the Scots were doing. They did that thing. Brian Smith picked this up in his analysis of England a couple of games ago, which is um, how far back the wingers play, how fast up John, uh, Jonathan Joseph comes, leaving mm. massive space out wide if you can get past it. And I tell you what, if there's anything that blew me away, you're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. performance of the round was Finn Russell. Yeah. Absolutely. That guy is suddenly on my radar as like a real talent. I remember we had, um, I forget his name. Is it Matt from, um, is it the Scottish Rugby the podcast? The Thistle. He came yep. on yep. and, um, he, he said, Oh, you know, watch out for Finn Russell. He's going to, you know, do this, do that against us. And I still didn't really see it in this match. I totally saw it. My God, he was good. Um, and then number 13, uh, Burrell. Hugh Jones. J- Jones. Hugh Jones. Yeah, uh, um, oh, he had a cracker as well. Anyway, he did. Just you yeah. know, the, the Scots all and the, yeah, just loads of little things that they did. Um, and there's some great analysis out there of it. Um, Brian Smith did a bit. There's some others around as well, actually. Um, and it was just and, and look, and it wasn't just the smarts. They also played with huge passion. Their defence was amazing. Um, just you know, it's, it's still Tatsy. He's running that. Yeah, yeah, he's there. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you can see him all over it, right? Some really smart decisions being made in there. It just it got me thinking. I was just nostalgic of a time when, you know, Australia played that smart rugby, and you kind Very of think, smart. oh, you know, a bit of a bit of Laurie Fisher together, a little bit of Tatsy Taylor, made me yeah. kind of wonder who would be the attack coach. But you know, just to get some real smarts back, um, and uh, it, it just anyway, it's it was quite the peach of a half. Interestingly enough, England tightened quite a few things up actually in the second half and it clamped down on it. So it didn't work for the, for the full match. But, um, well, as you can tell by my, my ramble here or my rant, um, it was, it was quite the match. But 
to answer your question then, is this the England downfall? Only, I think, if it gets inside their head. Uh, I think mm. they're still an impressive team. And, you know, if, 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 if Eddie doesn't drop off the deep end, because if he does, and if, if he, uh, you know, if he starts to lose it and, you know, starts to do what we know he's done to other mm. teams in the past and other players, that could be the losing of the dressing room. You know, yeah. um, because and he hasn't had to do it, right? He's just had win after win after exactly. win. Exactly. These guys yeah. haven't had and to have pick, a, Eddie and basically Jones. pick the same team. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, these guys haven't had to had the back end, the, the, the rough side of Eddie Jones yet. So I wonder if a few of them are starting to get it a bit. Well, yeah, yeah, and you talk about getting it. I mean, listen to the Egg Chaser podcast. I mean, you know, when we've had them on, and and the, who's the number one player they raved about? Best player in the world? Uh, not, oh, Etodje. No, well, yeah, sorry, they, they told you, but behind him, Owen Farrell. Yeah, you know, they've always raved about him, and we've never seen it. They rip into him this podcast. They're all yeah, over right. him, you know, so it's worth listening. <laughs> Nick, what about you? Uh, um, did you get to see the game, and what are your thoughts, I guess, on the, the performance of England and where it might lead them? I did get to see the game, and I really loved it. It was, I, in answer to the actual to, to the question, I don't think that the England slide has commenced. What I think this game really signalled, which is what pretty much what Matt, what Matt was saying, was I think this match really signals the arrival of Scotland as a team that is no longer seen as a as a real pushover team anymore. They're a legitimate proper contender. I mean, since I think the only I, I was kind of looking back over over Scotland's record at Murrayfield over the last few years, and the only team that's actually been able to knock off Scotland at Murrayfield since 2016 has been the All Blacks, which was last year, and that, even that was by a margin of only five points. So I really think that, you know, this Scotland this Scotland team really, that they, it's, like Matt said, is playing very smart rugby, very clinical rugby, and having a very adaptable game plan um, that makes, that will make the team, uh, that I really think will see the team go places. As for England themselves, I mean... You know, they were, that match was the first, like, they, they'd won seven matches in a row um, up until that point. And I don't necessarily think that this is that the, they're starting the slide. However, I, it's the start of the slide for them this year. However, I do think that it's a case of, you know, for the last few years in the Six Nations, England has really been the dominant team. And it's, but, but you know, at the end of last year, Ireland really started to pick up its game. Um, Scotland as well, and of course now, like this year, I've been quite impressed with how how Wales is starting to come along as well. So I think it's not the case that the that the English team is playing badly. I think that the other teams are starting to play a lot better. Um, you know, England themselves, you know, they easily accounted for Italy um, away from home, and then they had a real kind of an arm wrestle against a pretty solid Welsh outfit. It was a, it was a pretty tough game. So I think you know I, I think. I don't think the England slide has started yet, but I'm I'm particular I'm quite curious as to what's going to happen with the uh, when they meet when they face Ireland in a few weeks' time, and I'm going to I'm curious to see how the Irish will, uh, will will read the English game, or it might be a case that you know the Scots might have provided the perfect blueprint by which to analyse by which to take apart the Eddie Jones game plan, and then suddenly yeah, well, yeah. sorry. Well, you, you can't discount Ireland so far. I mean, they're undefeated. They beat the French at Stade de France. They smashed Italy, as you would sh- as we should do, and no other team has quite done to that extent. Uh, I guess England did close. And then um, Ireland beat Wales 
last week. So they now play Scotland, uh, face Scotland next round and, and finish up against England. So they're probably the front runners at the moment. And I can't stop thinking that uh, with David Nusafora heading their high performance department over there, and this might be a question for another week, but, you know, we get these Aussie coaches who, who fail, all these coaches who fail in the Aussie system who can't get the best out of our players, our, our teams, and then they go elsewhere and they... Um, they they achieve and I don't know what's holding them back here and even if you look at Robbie Deans who was superb with the Crusaders and we said it was just the you know the Crusaders players and came to the Wallabies and you know had some moments but largely failed and then has gone off elsewhere and and, and done so well and now Noosa Four is doing great things over in Ireland as a, as a, in a different role but it's um it's interesting to see those sorts of quality talent not quite. Um, cutting it in Australia and even you could say Checker he was doing great things elsewhere but his stats for the Wallabies since that first year after that first year are pretty dismal um, yeah so Six Nations great tournament and, and if nothing else God, the, uh, two other standouts from that Scotland England game um, just the passion you know it, it's envious I'm envious of it you know we don't see that with Australian crowds um, it was just sensational but did you also see the, the niggle in the tunnel pre-game mm. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> There's some, yeah, it's it's on um, the uh, Tuesday top five. If you haven't seen, oh, there's a couple it? of okay. different videos Excellent. of it. Um, because there's, there's actually somebody with I don't know if you saw the view where somebody is uh, is holding like a uh, a phone. Yeah. Uh, you know, over the top of it, and you see Just that. Above, yeah, um, yeah. I tell you, the other thing that I saw, oh, I saw it on a tweet. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. Somebody in a pub has got a picture of Gregor Laidlaw and like, a couple of a <laughs> yeah, couple of players. Singing, um, singing, uh, "Flower of Scotland." I think. Oh, really? What oh, looks like awesome. about three in the morning. Um, absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely roasted. But uh, and they embellish uh, the they embellish it as well with a few little choice things for our English friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it's an absolute cracker. It's yeah. excellent. It is good though right. to see that. But it, it is good. Sorry, sorry, Reg. But I think it's yep. gra- it, it is great to see that and see them. You know they they waited ten years to to win the back the Cal the the Calcutta the uh, Calcutta Cup, and so it's you know I think they, they have complete right to celebrate that. I just I just hope that we celebrate as hard when we eventually win back the Bledisloe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, there's a little bit more underlying that that little rivalry there, which it's it's more than this just a sporting rivalry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a bit of bloodshed in the history there. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, guys, we're going to just move on to question five. What do we expect from round three? And I think the simple way to do this, lads, is let's just go through those Australian games and, and give us a quick tip and, and, and you know, off the top of the head, thoughts on which how you think it'll play out. doesn't have to be too long, but just give us your immediate thoughts. Um, first uh, Aussie game of the weekend. So the first game is the Blues versus the Chiefs, which, as any New Zealand derby, will be a cracker. And unfortunately, it's followed by an Australian derby straight afterwards. Um, <laughs> the Reds versus the Brumbies. And uh, the Reds' first home game of the season at Suncorp Stadium. I We didn't get great crowds last weekend in, in Sydney or Melbourne. Um, and I fear what the crowds will be this weekend, considering the Reds' performance uh, last weekend. And no Quade Cooper, who is, you know, brings in, you know, a legitimate crowd numbers. So it'll be interesting to see what numbers will be there this weekend. Um, and it is, I think it's pretty much the first night of junior training as well uh, on a Friday night. So they've got it up against them. But Reds v Brumbies. Uh, uh, Matt, uh, lay down Mazair for the for the Brumbies. Well, I, w- I don't want to say lay down the Mazair. And like you said, you know, Brad tends to get people yep. fired up to come back. Uh, I didn't think I didn't think the Brumbies were overly impressive. Um, oh, if, you know, betting man on odds you, to the Brumbies, but I wouldn't write the, the Reds off. Yep. Nick, what about you? What's your 
feelings. I agree with Matt. I think well, it's, the big thing for the Reds is that is is just the controlling of discipline. Um, you know, I think if like I reckon like and and like like Matt says, I think you know like Brad Thorne will really be getting into them to make them bounce back this week. I reckon. And I think one of the things I he'll hopefully really touch on is is discipline and really kind of knowing uh, when to take control, like when to kind of be aggressive and when to kind of go. Okay, we need to not go too hard, otherwise we'll find more of our players in the bin. I think it's going to be. A, I think it'll be a good match. Hopefully, some because like all of them, all of the Aussie matches look like they were all very rusty. They were all blowing away the cobwebs from last week. I think it, I hope it'll be a more clinical match. I my money is on is on the Brumbies as well. But I do think the Reds will have a better performance. I mean, I mean, like it can't, it couldn't be any worse than that performance a few years ago back against the Force, which led to Richard Graham getting cut. So I think it'll be, I reckon it'll be a good match. That's a big call. That's a big call. That can't be worse than that. Um, but um, look, so it will be interesting. The, the Brumbies will be out without their young. Uh, flanker Rob Valentini, who looks to be out for the season, which is terrible news for him. He's a super player. Um, the Reds, obviously, without Luke Antui and um, Scott Higginbotham, I suspect um, young Liam Wright, the teenage open side, might come straight into the team um, with Korzak and Timu, the rest of the back row. He's a fantastic young player. Wright made his debut off the bench last week, toured with the Wallabies last year. Um, and uh, Kane Douglas will probably come in for Luke Antui. So we, we lose some, uh, I guess, metres, some go-forward there. Um, Douglas, uh, an experienced Wallaby, you know, probably haven't seen the best of him for a while, and it might mean that young Harry Hawkins or Angus Blythe, even uh, another t- 19-year-old lock, um, makes their debut from the bench. We'll see how that goes. So, look, yeah, look, I think the Reds are capable. I think they've got a lot of improve in them, but they need a lot of improve in them um, uh, to, to, to get over the Brumbies. Here. They're, they're a bogey team, the Brumbies. We've, we won last year, I guess, which I think was our first time at home for a long time, or first time any for a long time, but uh, let's see if we can make it two for two, so we'll see. And can I just say, look, you know, considering we're down to four Australian teams, yeah, like, God, we st- I mean, all these teams are filled full of, like, callow youth. Yeah. The, the names that you're talking through, Reg, which I, I'm, if I was a better educated uh, yeah, rugby aficionado, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners are now going, yes, and we wish you were too. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, like to, to, to your, you know, standard supporters, like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I, I don't know who these people are. Yeah. And, and yet you've got Liam Gills and, and these sorts of yeah. people on the other side of the world, or indeed Quade Cooper playing club rugby. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if there's something, there's something that's not adding up. Yeah, you bang on there. Um, so next game is uh, the Sunwolves. So the, the Rebels are travelling over to, to uh, Japan. I assume it's in Japan. It's not a Singapore game. But uh, the Sunwolves are hosting the Rebels uh, this round. So that'll be an interesting one at, uh, at uh, yeah, in Tokyo there. Nick, which which way do you reckon this will go? Um, I, reckon the, uh, I reckon the Rebels will get up. It's um I reckon it'll be a quite a sim- like quite a similar match in terms of scoreline to what we had against against the Brumbies uh, the, the Sunwolves and the Brumbies last week. I think with the Sunwolves, um, I, I I kind of worry about their ability to actually finish off games and kind of push through in the last twenty minutes of matches, and I feel like it might be it might be more of a mental kind of thing than anything else. Um, I I they are a good I think they well they are looking at a lot better than what they did last year, but. You know, I think there's enough in uh, from that Rebels performance to that makes me suggest that I think that 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 Dave Vessels can get 
a, a lot more out of those players um, and a lot more out of that performance. And I think if he if they if they are more clinical, if they are more uh, kind of if they're more well drilled and they and they have those cobwebs out of the way, I reckon the Rebels will will be too much in the end. But I think it'll be a good match. It'll be a close one. All right, you Matt. I'm not convinced by the Rebels yet. Um, and I don't know. I, th- I think the Sunwolves got a sniff last week. Uh, if I was to be contrarian, I, I yeah. And, you know, Rebels just traditionally have had trouble on the road. I know new regime and all the rest of it, but um, I don't know. I'd be, I don't know. I'm, I might be sneaking one on the Sunwolves. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, this is a tough one to pick, I reckon. Both these games mm. are pretty tough to pick because um, for those exact reasons, I think the Sunwolves, yeah, they'll, they'll improve. They'll take a bit of heart out of that game, but also be frustrated knowing they lost it. They had the opportunity to take it and, and, and let the Brumbies run away with it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I think it'll be a good game. I, I think the Rebels should get up, but uh, mm. it won't necessarily happen. Um, all right, so moving to after that, that so that's Saturday afternoon, obviously. After that, the Crusaders play the Stormers, so tough gig for the Stormers, moving across to Christchurch there. Um, and then later that night, the Waratahs are on, where they've, uh, they take on the Sharks. Um, in the middle of the night, I think it must be about 11 o'clock or so, Sydney time at least. Um, so at obviously Kings Park there. So uh, how confident do you feel about this one, Matt? Do you feel comfortable? The, the you know, always a tough one, that first one. The Sharks, they, uh, what they do last weekend, they, did they have the bye last weekend? I don't know. Yeah. Must yeah, have. I've got absolutely no, I've got no view on how they'll be able to do it or not. Um, or how the Sharks are doing. And, like, you know, in this Super Rugby now, who knows what's happening in that... Super, in that out of mind, uh, out of sight, yep. In that conference. Uh, no, I, look, I... Yeah, I mean, hasn't anybody written that off as a, a loss for the Tars um, on the road um, with this team this early in the season? I, I can't see it. Yep. All right, what about you, Nick? My beloved Tars. Yeah, I'm... I'm personally going. I think the Sharks are going to get uh, are going to get the win, um, but it's it's. I think the reason why is probably because I, the Tars are sending a very um, a very green uh, forward pack over there because um, they had because obviously because Rod Simmons has been ruled out with a with a quad injury and I think there's another uh, another injury that the that the Tars have. So there's another player who's not going over as well whose name well, is. Ke- well, Kepu's available for the second game, but he's obviously still not available uh, yeah, here. But you're mm. right. I think there was someone else as well. But, yeah, they are a little bit challenged there. And, and um, mm. you know, we talked about the scrum before. That'll be uh, that'll be confronted here in, in, uh, against the Sharks. Yeah, like this, yeah, I think, like, well, the, the Stormers did expose a lot of um, issues with the Wallaby scrum, even though they, it, it did kind of still held up pretty well. I think you, considering you've got the Sharks have got a pretty good forward pack, and so you've got that, and then the following week you, you're heading over to Argentina. Um, it's gonna—I reckon it's gonna be a pretty tough two weeks for the for the Tars forward pack. And like I think, particularly with the Sharks, I don't I don't see the Tars uh, grabbing the win. It'd be great if they did though, because um, I mean their their backline certainly got enough, got plenty of firepower. But it really comes off that forward set piece uh, dominance, and I have a feeling that maybe this pack um, going up against the the Aguares and the uh, and the Sharks pretty strong forward pack. It might be a bit too, it might be a bit too much for them. Yeah, I think it's a tough ask for them. Uh, you know, they uh, it, it'll be a true test for Gibson. You know, they, sometimes these tours is where the teams really come together. So that that'll be what he's relying on to um, get the Tars across the line. Um, 
that's pretty much it, lads. Obviously, the other games of the round being uh, the Bulls taking on the Lions and the Hyagiwaris hosting the Hurricanes. So um, it's actually a pretty tough round uh, to pick there. So we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, thanks, lads. That'll pretty much do us. Anything else we need to touch on before we go? Oh, the Las Vegas Sevens is on this weekend. So the men talking pretty confident game. They've had a good start to the World Seven Series, but they're feeling, you know, they're out to win one um, and they're pretty keen to do so. Uh, I think they've got a few injuries to... To, to cover, but um, uh, let's hope they give them all their best. And I know actually the, the women's team, obviously the women don't play in Las Vegas, but the women have gone over to play a few games versus America because they're keen to get some practice in before the uh, the Com Games 7 series, uh, which is, starts on um, April 13th on the Gold Coast. So, yeah, it's plenty happening in the Sevens as well. So um, we wish the boys and the, the girls well there. Yeah, good luck. Um, pretty much to us, lads. Uh, thanks for your time, Matt. Good first hit out, mate. Yeah, we've done well. Over time, too. We thought this would be a short one, but uh, put us together. We all just love to talk rugby in the end, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> and Nick, thanks to you, mate. Thanks for stepping up there, mate. We'll uh, have you on the show again soon. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. To all our listeners, thanks again for rejoining us. Hope you enjoyed the show. Shoot us any hot burning questions you want, burning topics you want discussed. Uh, again, I guess we would encourage you to leave us some positive feedback on iTunes and rate us and all that sort of stuff. It helps with all the diagnostics and get us up on the top charts and get more people listening and, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, thanks for joining us again, and we'll catch you next week. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a de Beer. <laughs> <laughs>